0: I'm Julianne DeLynn-Hatton, and you're listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. This series will discuss the Prophet Joseph Smith and the authenticity of the gospel he restored. I'll be speaking with Michael R. Ash, author of the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Welcome, Michael Ash.
1: Hi, Julianne.
0: We haven't spoken for a while. We took a nice break.
1: <laughs> yes, we did.
0: You were doing some photography. Tell me about that.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm a, an avid photographer, and uh, I had back-to-back trips uh, to Bryce Canyon twice and to the Tetons once and uh, got a, a lot of uh, fun photography in it, and I think decent shots as well.
0: <laughs> what was the most interesting-slash-difficult picture that you took there?
1: Well, uh, I went with a friend and we shot, we were trying to uh, get some moonlit landscape shots and Milky Way shots. And so uh, getting up, you know, really early, earlier than I normally do to get out and uh, shoot the Milky Way in the Tetons, we were shooting at three degrees. (laughs) <laughs> and so it was a it was a little chilly, and uh, at, at one point I stepped off the the trail that went through the snow and sank up to my waist in the snow. <laughs> so, oh no! Uh, yeah. So, but you know, great stories to tell after the fact. Now, <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you get the shot?
1: <laughs> I got some great shots. Yes, <laughs>
0: that's the I'm question. I'm pretty
1: happy with what I got. Yeah.
0: So we're back. You wrote a recent article.
1: Yeah, hiding church history in plain sight.
0: Tell me about that, because there was a great response. I read the article. I thought there was some new information in it that was extremely helpful, recommended it to a lot of friends.
1: Well, thanks. Thanks. Yeah. But basically, um, it was in response to an email that I had received um, that somebody was concerned that the church supposedly had lied to him. It was actually from from another friend, and, and somebody had sent them an email, a family member. And I hear that frequently is that a member that's struggling with issues, uh, what many times precipitates that struggling or kind of goes hand in hand with it is they discover some information that they hadn't known about before. And then they wonder, you know, well, why hasn't the church taught me about this? Uh, I I think the church has lied to me. And when people feel like they've been lied to, Uh, there's a feeling of infidelity that goes on and uh, it it feels like broken trust. And so sometimes that feeling becomes the main reason why people actually can leave the church rather than the issues themselves, because if they find answers to the issues, uh, those issues, those answers don't always mean anything to them anymore because they feel like, you know, it's, it's too late now because that trust has been broken. And so, My article on LDS.net points out that that this isn't the case, that uh, there have been a number of these issues that have been discussed in official church publications or publications that the church has something to do with, uh, perhaps peripherally through BYU and, and what was the old farms. That talk about these issues, uh, e- even sometimes the uh, church manuals, and and of course they don't go into it real deep because that's not what the church curriculum is all about. But they have been mentioned, and unfortunately, people of members of the church, like general members of the United States, we, we don't do a lot of investigative reading. We read novels, we watch reality shows. You know, we we just don't spend a lot of time in the type of uh, research that we really should be doing. and In fact, in my book, Shaking Face Syndrome, I, I talk about how a lot of people aren't familiar with some of the basic historical uh, events in the United States, and so um, it, it's really no wonder that sometimes we're not aware of, of information that's really in plain sight. Uh, so the Church hasn't hidden this stuff. Uh, the Church focuses on on teaching members how to become better members, better fathers, mothers, uh, siblings, members of the ward. And uh, there are answers to these questions, and we have to get past that uh, feeling of of, uh, broken trust and and actually look at the responses that are available.
0: Well, that's how I became familiar with you, was through the book Shaken Faith Syndrome. And there's two things I really enjoyed about the book. Number one is that you show respect for the reader, I never felt like I was being condescended to or that you were talking down to your reader, even though it's very well documented. And I think that's important because when people are struggling with issues, and like you say, they feel that they've been lied to or deceived, they want to be respected.
1: Sure. Yeah, there's, uh, um, you know, lifelong members that... Are you know have degrees, uh, advanced degrees from college that are business professionals that are you know uh, educated on on their own and so forth. And these are real feelings of uh, pain and and distrust and and so uh, you know I, I I know people that are close to me that have gone through this, and so I certainly can empathize that when somebody encounters challenging information that it can be a very painful blow to uh, the not only the ego but as far as the, the spiritual outlook of and it makes you even wonder is there really a god you know have, I I've been following you know myths and so forth and and these these pains difficulties are real the thing is that there's answers there are answers to any of the objections that are out there, there are evidences that support belief. And so what's important for those people that encounter challenging issues is to kind of stay, take a step back and don't let those hurt emotions get in the way. Let's look at the, at the issues that are actually there. Let's look at the responses and see how they make sense. And uh, a testimony can actually be strengthened through this type of a trial. I know that I've gone through you know a similar trial in my younger years. And we can come through this with a stronger testimony because we realize that the Lord works through weak humans, just like, you know, we're weak and and, uh, uh, fallible. Well, all of Heavenly Father's children are fallible and have weaknesses. And the Lord works through weaknesses in the prophets, and so he can work through our weaknesses as well and uh, make those weak things strong.
0: I agree. And I think that leads me to the second thing that was so comforting when I read Shaken Faith Syndrome was that it's so thorough. I mean, I have to admit that as a lifelong member of the church, there were questions that were answered in that book that I've never had answers to that were as satisfying. So it's very thorough, and I think it really is a great companion with of faith and reason, because to me, Shaken Faith Syndrome is the starting place, and of faith and reason is sort of a companion because you actually bring up some new issues and solutions and interesting things about the prophet and the Book of Mormon in of faith and reason.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it's interesting because after I finished uh, Shaken Faith Syndrome and my objective was to answer those challenging issues that people discovered and as I had finished it off and it was actually going to press, I got to thinking that I really hadn't pointed out all the many affirmative uh, evidences that bolster the faith. And so right away I I dug up through my files and started working on a faith and reason because I I wanted that as a companion book. I I felt like the shield had been put up in shaken faith syndrome, and now the sword need to be brought out and show that that there's actually strength behind the arguments uh, for belief. And that we can move forward and not just say there's no evidence for belief. There is evidence. There's evidence for the authenticity of the Book of Mormon. There's evidence that Joseph Smith was a prophet. And these are not proofs, obviously. They're evidence that everybody has to, you know, uh, bring into their own paradigm and their worldview. But for somebody that is searching for the truth and and wants to rely on what the Spirit is teaching them as truth, there are secular evidences that not only defend the belief but also support the belief.
0: Well, that's where we're leading today. We're halfway through of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. It's hard to believe that this is actually going to come to an end at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So why don't you introduce the topic this week?
1: Okay, so this one, a little bit on the Book of Mormon, sham which uh, is mentioned in the Book of Mormon as one of the crops that is grown in the second century, along with barley. And, and the Book of Mormon doesn't give us a translation for this. So we have no idea from the Book of Mormon what uh, Shem is. And, and, of course, critics have pointed out as well. It's like, well, this is an interesting made-up word of Joseph Smith's. You know, there, we've never heard of such a thing. Um, and, and so at least in Joseph Smith's day... Uh, this was a, I guess, a sign of the Book of Mormon f- as fiction. It was the evidence they saw as fiction because no such thing existed.
0: So the critics have said this is a word or product that Joseph Smith made up. Has there been any evidence to the contrary?
1: Yeah, in fact, like I said, in Joseph Smith's day there wasn't. But within the last, you know, several decades, non-Mormon scholars have, uh, you know, learned more about uh, the ancient inhabitants of the of the uh, Near East, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, what they call the Akkadians from Mesopotamia, they learned about an important cereal grain that was known as Sham. In fact, this one non Mormon uh, specialist of ancient Babylonian languages, he says that the uh, word Sham was applied to different types of grains. It, uh, at times it would, might have been applied to pine nuts or barley or or, or grains in general. And we, we find the same kind of theme many times in the old world, is is that words were used to mean different things at different times and in different circumstances. And that's what we find with sham, but it's a real word. And it's interesting that it comes from the right area because it's used in the Book of Mormon among the Jaredites. And so the Jaredites, we believe, came from Mesopotamia. So they were familiar, apparently, with this word sham. And brought the word with them and, and probably used it for a, a New World grain. Again, we don't know what that would have been exactly, but they took a habit or, or methodology, I guess, of naming things from the Old World, took an actual name from the Old World, and then applied it to New World grains.
0: Thank you, Michael Ash.
1: Thank you, Julianne.
0: Thanks for listening to Faith and Reason on the Mormon Faircast. I'm your host, Julianne Delan Hatton, inviting you to keep the faith... Michael R. Ash is the author of the book, Shaken Faith Syndrome, Strengthening One's Testimony in the Face of Criticism and Doubt, as well as the book of Faith and Reason, 80 Evidences Supporting the Prophet Joseph Smith. Faith and Reason is produced by Tom Hatton with music courtesy of Arthur Hatton. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the views of Fair Mormon or The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You can support this podcast by subscribing to it in iTunes and by rating it and writing a review. Questions or comments can be sent to podcast at fairmormon.org or you may join the conversation at fairblog.org.